So how y'all doing this morning? You excited to be here um, or be there? I don't know where we at, but I'm here and you're there. But you know what? I bet you Satan thought the other day he was going to stop Easter, but he failed. He failed because we're sitting in y'all's living rooms and your dining rooms and, and God's still here and he's still alive. And that's what we're going to celebrate today is the empty tomb. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 20. We're going to be in John 20. Um, verse 1 is where we're going to start. John 20, verse 1. You know, as we talk about the empty tomb today, you know, in Egypt, you know, the tombs over there are famous because of the, the Egyptian kings that are buried in them and the treasures that are in them. And the Westminster Abbey in London is revered because of the nobles and the notables that are buried there. And, you know, the Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C., same. It's, it's exciting to go to and back um, a few months ago, I got a chance to go there and watch the changing of the guards and take a tour of the of the Arlington Cemetery, and it's and it's an amazing place. But you know, all those things celebrate something that the people are still there. Their bodies are still there, you know. And um, as I was getting ready for the day, I, I was you know looking across and I run across this um story. And how many of y'all's ever heard of a guy named Howard Carter? Anybody here ever heard of Howard Carter? Howard Carter is a British archaeologist that is the archaeologist that found King Tut. Y'all ever heard of King Tut? He's the one that found King Tut's tomb. And so, you know, whenever he found that back in 1922, it literally took him weeks, seven, eight weeks to get all the artifacts. And what made that tomb so special was because it was still intact. It still had everything in it. And so it was able to tell them the whole history of when King Tut was alive um, back around 1300 B.C. But you know what? The tombs also, whenever you start looking and you go to graveyards and you look at the tombstone, the headstones, you know, a lot of times they tell the story of who that person was. They was a father or a, a husband or, you know, whatever, who they was. You can look at them. But today, with the tomb that we're talking about, it's famous for, it's because it's empty. It's empty. There's nobody there. And that's what we're celebrating. So in John 20, I'm going to start in verse, um, verse 1. Follow along with me if you have your Bible. It said, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the, for the tomb. Both were running, and the other disciple outrun Peter. I would be Peter. I would get outrun. But he outrun Peter and got to the tomb first, and he bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth was still in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and believed. They did not understand where, from the scripture that Jesus had, was to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and she cried in, in Aramaic. And she said, Rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she told them. And, and, um, and he said that he had um, the things that he had told her. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Just say that we love you, Father. And today that we get to celebrate. Father, we ought to celebrate every day, not just Easter, that the tomb is empty. Father, today is the day that you showed us how big your love was for us. Father, I just ask that we can see that. Father, we can just see, Father, through, um, through only eyes that you can give us and a heart that you can give us, Father, how much your love is for us, Father, and what you've done for us, Father, on that cross, and Father, in that tomb, Father, when you beat death. Father, we love you. In Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, whenever you start thinking about this, you know, because I'm going to go back, the tomb of Jesus is famous because it's empty. And that's what we ought to be celebrating. When you start looking, you know, what is this, what does the empty tomb prove to us? It shows us God's power. Because through all the prophecies, and when you go back through the Old Testament that was written hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, they told how the Messiah would be buried and how he'd be raised from the dead. The resurrection was God's demonstration of just how powerful he was. You know, there was those that tried to say that Jesus really wasn't dead, that he was just, he recovered from his wounds. And, you know, back then they actually had a specialist, you know, and that's what he looked to make sure that, that they had um, died. And there's, there's no physical way, whenever you start talking to medical professionals, that he could have survived that, that he was in, absolutely dead. Because even when you go back and you read in Scripture, when they stuck the spear between his ribs and it said blood and water come out, that was proving that his lungs had quit. And that water was from the, the, the lung problems that he was having from hanging on the cross. And so when you start looking at it, you know, and when you think about it, because of his death, 40 days, and he was raised from the dead because of the empty tomb, then Peter was able to stand 40 days after that, after he ascended, and tell everybody that Jesus had risen. And nobody could dispute it because they couldn't find a body. And then because of all the witnesses that saw Jesus after the fact, before he ascended. And so, you know, Peter was able to stand and tell the world, you know, just how powerful his God was. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 Paul tells the church of Corinth, he said, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of them are still living, 
though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. You know, when you hear Paul talk about that and you think about it, you know, he says that he appeared to 500. Now think about this for a minute. If you take those 500 that saw Jesus alive after the crucifixion and after, you know, they found out the tomb was empty. If you took those 500 people and if you give all of them six minutes to give personal testimony of what they saw, that would be 50 hours of testimony of people saying, my Jesus is alive. I saw him. I heard him. I was there. Think about it. You know, the truth is Jesus did rise from the dead. That's why we celebrate what we're celebrating today. That's why we're going to celebrate in a few minutes the ordinance of the Lord's Supper because he tells us to do that in remembrance of him. And so whenever you start looking, you know, Josh McDowell, some of y'all might have heard of Josh McDowell. He was going to school to become a lawyer and he decided to write a paper examining the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus in order to disprove it. After 700 hours of studying, 700 hours of studying and investigating the evidence, he realized that, in fact, it was true. He went on to write a book called The Evidence That Demands a Verdict because he was trying to disprove the resurrection and he couldn't do it. Think about that. He invested 700 hours of his life studying and then realized he couldn't do it. Ephesians 1, 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. You know, right there, God's power because he raised Christ. At any point, whenever Jesus was going through the trial and all of that, through all the torture and the agony that he went through, at any time, he could have called angels down to stop it and bring him to heaven, but he didn't. Why? Because he knew his ultimate purpose was to go to the tomb so that God could raise him from the dead and prove how powerful he was. And so when you start thinking that, you know, in that scripture, it tells us that our hearts will be enlightened, you know, that we'll see who God really is. In 1 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, By the power God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. That gives us hope. You know, right now, a lot of us, you know, in the world, we literally just a few minutes ago was talking about the future. And, you know, right now, me and the staff, we're meeting and we're talking and we're trying to plan you know, how are we going to re-enter whenever we get the green light to come back into corporate worship together? And how are we going to do that? But right now, what we need to focus on is the hope that can come from God. Because he's telling us, he said, by the power that God raised the Lord from the dead, he will raise you too. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you that hope. You know, God had a priority in that empty tomb because that empty tomb in Luke nineteen ten it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus' purpose was for us. That's why he came. No, Jesus died and rose for a reason, and that reason's for you. Think about that. That reason's for you. In Matthew 18, 12 through 14, it says, What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. That scripture's hope. 
He's telling us whenever you read that in Matthew and you go back to Luke 19, where it says why he came here, he came to seek and save what was lost. And he's talking right here where he sends the one. The shepherd defined the one. Some of us today were that one. I was that one. Whenever I was 16, almost 17 years old, whenever I was in high school and I was handed that blank sheet of paper and I was told to write my story and I realized I didn't have a story. At that moment, I become the one. Somebody saw something and God used them to bring me to him. I got so excited whenever I started, I forgot to leave out some important information. This is how big our God is. Because of the empty tomb, we had one more person join our church this week. We've had five people join since we've been virtual. Is that not wild? But that proves how big our God is. So when you see Alice Shoemaker uh, around watching her in Oak Point, congratulating her for becoming a, a member of Live Oak Baptist Church. And in her text message, you know what she said? She said, I can't wait to become an active part of Sunny School. So now I can't wait to get Sunny School started back again. You know, last Sunday afternoon, when you start talking about the one, the one that he's looking for, last Sunday at the end of the service, whenever I prayed that prayer for, for people to come to know him, Sunday evening, I come back up to the church to, um, to get something. And I walked in my office. And as I walked into my office, the church phone rang. So I picked it up and I answered it. And I said, Live at Baptist Church. And they said, yes, we was watching your service. And I need to talk to a minister. And I said, well, I'm the pastor. And the lady started sharing her story. She was, her name was Ann. She's from San Antonio, Texas. That's a good solid eight or nine hour drive from here. She was sitting in her house going through Facebook, run across our service. And last Sunday evening on the phone, she prayed and accepted Christ. Does that show how big our God is? Church, how many times have I said that because of what we're doing right now, we've enlarged our footprint. Because of the empty tomb, our footprint goes around the world, literally. That's how big our God is. That's why the tomb's empty. That's why he came to seek and save the the loss. That's why he was looking. You know, one day this week I was on my way to the church and, and I run to get gas and I stopped. And as I was sitting there, this gentleman walked up, he was a little bit older than me. And as he walked up, I had my dog box in the back of my truck. And you know, it's a, if you've never seen it, it's a big silver box I had custom made that's insulated with a fan. And he walked up and he said, man, that's a fine smoker you have. He said, that thing don't get your truck too hot. And I said, hmm. I said, well, it's really not a smoker. That's how, I call, that's how I carry God's dogs. He said, I don't understand. I said, well, pull up a seat. Let's sit on my tailgate. And so I started relating to him about who God was in my life and about my ministry with my dogs. And sitting on the parking lot in that gas station at 7.30 that morning, he come to know the Lord. He went and found the one. So this morning, again, that's why we're celebrating an empty tomb. That's why the tomb's empty. is so that people can see the power, see the priority for what, it, for what God came for us. Do you understand your value? Do you understand the value that you have? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? There are so many people that find their identity in the world and they're scrambling for hope. But if we would focus on God and God only, and see the hope that he has, the hope that he wants to give us, the hope in the empty tomb. 
then we would have that peace that we can get only from him. Think about this. You exist because God wants you to exist. You exist because God loves you. Your value, you have value because God created you to have value. God loves you. Do you hear what I'm telling you? God loves you. Sitting in your living room right now, whether you're sitting by yourself or sitting with your family, say this, God loves me. If you're sitting with somebody, look at them and say, God loves you. The tomb is empty today for you. You know, before I make bigger than average purchases, and I've always been like this, I'm real goal-driven. When I want to buy something, I calculate how many hours I have to work to be able to buy it. You know, when I was in high school, it was dogs or, or another truck or something like that. You know, once I got married with the kids, I would calculate, all right, what's it going to, how many hours am I going to have to work for Paige to do cheer? How many hours am I going to have to work for Peyton to do um, basketball? How many hours am I going to have to work to buy that recliner for my living room? I would always calculate my, in my mind the cost that it was going to take for me. God had calculated the cost for us because he had a perfect plan to send his son to walk to earth, to be um, tortured, to be crucified, to be put in a barred tomb just so he could raise him and bring him back to life for us. He calculated the cost before you was ever born. Think about that. He knew that you needed him. Skip down in John 20 with me. Go to, to verse 19. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, their doors was locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Do you hear what was his first words to them? Peace be with you. What have I told you those words this morning? Peace be with you. Today, choose calm over chaos. Choose calm over chaos because of the empty tomb. Why are we here today? Because God wants us to tell you about his love. Why do we do what we do? Because God wants us to tell, to tell you about his love that he has for you. Peace be with you. These were the guys that walked every day with him. They walked together. They all slept in the, you know, camped out together. However you want to say it, they broke bread together. They ate meals together. They watched him heal people. They watched him teach people. But yet when he appeared to them, what did he tell them? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. I love you. I'm back because of you. Peace be with you. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It said, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of age. Do you hear that? You know, we talk a lot, a lot at Live Oak Baptist Church about, about making disciples and about baptizing and about teaching. That's our whole no, grow, go. But I, wanna, I want you to hear the end of that verse. He said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. His presence is going to be there because he loves us. Peace be with you. Choose calm over chaos because God's with us. Do you think about that? Do you really think about God being with you? 
Some of us, we're sitting alone right now and we say, you know, I'm all alone in this world. No, you're not. If God's your Savior, if God's in your life, then He's with you. And He wants you to know that He loves you. God's with us. But we choose to remember or reject His presence. Let me go back to Howard Carter. Remember we started with Howard Carter? He was the British archaeologist that found King Tut's tomb. The story goes on. It said Howard Carter became famous when he discovered the tomb of King Tut. But the discovery had come at great personal cost. It had taken him more than 10 years of his life, 10 years of his life and all of his family fortune to finally make the discovery. When he first found the sand and, and the sand and uncovered the landing down to the tomb in November 1922, he quickly had them uncovered. Upon when he saw that, he, when he peeked in, it said he kind of cracked open and he, and he put a light through and he could see the gold. They said, what do you see? He said, I see marvelous things. After they opened it up, it said he sat down on the steps, put his hand in his head, in his hands, and he cried. And when he was asked what he was, why he was crying, he told them, 10 years ago, I dug 18 inches from the top of these steps. I was so close, so very close. Ten years of his life was gone because he missed what he was um, so close to by 18 inches. And this is what I want you to think about today. From here to here, 16, 18 inches. There's an awful lot of us that miss God today because we can't go from here to here and believe. We can't go from here to here in faith. Some of us are this close. Some of us are this close to knowing the peace that can come from him. Some of us are this close to knowing the healing that can come from him. Some of us are literally close enough to know who he is, but we miss him. Today, I want you to hear that the tomb's empty for you. Hear it here, but let it translate to here. That tomb's empty for you. Today, you need to know that God loves you. Today, you need to know that your value is in Him. And He gives you the value to say, I sent my Son to walk this earth, to be crucified, so that I could bring Him back for you. His Son become the ultimate sacrifice. So the empty tomb means that calm over chaos that we've been talking about. Are we going to miss it by 18 inches? Today, are you going to miss it by 18 inches? Sure, you're not sitting in here with us today, but you're hearing because God blessed us with the technology that we're able to walk into your living room this morning. God, give us the technology so that you can hear that he loves you. Hear what I'm telling you. God loves you. God wants you. You have to make that decision. You have to decide today. Today, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Today, I'm going to ask him to become the Lord of my life. For some of us, we have to decide today. Let's get real. Today's the first service that we've watched probably since Easter of last year for some of us. And God wants you to hear today that he loves you. And he's here. Do you hear that? What did the shepherd do? He left the 99 to go find the one. Today, you might be that one. You might be sitting in your living room by yourself and you might be that one. You might be sitting in your living room around your dining room table with your whole family, but you're the one that he's looking for today. 
Let it go from year to year. Fall in love with him. Fall head over heels in love with him. I get asked all the time, why, why do you do what you do? Why do you keep doing that? Why are you so persistent? Because of the empty tomb. Because I want everybody that I run across to know how much God loves them. Because of what he did for Johnny Morgan. If it wouldn't have been for that love, I wouldn't be sitting here today. But I fell in love with him. And I fell into his arms and I said, God, I love you. Some of us today, we've prayed that prayer. And he's our Lord, but we hadn't been walking with him. We hadn't been talking with him. Today, we know that we need to come back. Today, we know that we need to fall in love with him again. So what are you going to do? What's your response? Again, we're doing a virtual um, invitation. Today, if you're sitting there, if you know today that I, I need to move it from here to here. Today, I need to go from here to here. And today, I need to ask him to become my Lord and Savior. Today, I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. Right now. Right now. Wherever you're at. If you're driving down the road, listening to this on your phone. If you're sitting at home or if you're at work. Let today be that day that you know that you're the one. And pray this prayer with me. Just repeat these words in your heart after me. Say, Father, I know that I've sinned. Father, I know that I've done bad things that I shouldn't have. Today, I'm asking you to forgive me. Father, today I know that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. I know that that tomb's empty for me. Father, become my Lord. I love you. In the next moments, we're going to move into the time of our Lord's Supper. And, you know, I, I, we're going to give you just a few moments. And the worship team is going to do something. And, you know, if you have your elements, if you come by the church, and I'm excited about this, but we literally have passed out over 350 of the, the communion sets this week. If you got one of those or if you're going to use something from your house, go ahead and get that. Get it set aside. But use the next few moments to ready your heart, to ask for forgiveness, to ask God to get you ready for what we're about to observe. You know, if there's some of you that are sitting there today, and if you prayed this prayer, if there's some of you out there today that know that you need to come back, or if you're sitting there today and you say, I want to be part of a church that's willing to take the gospel wherever it takes. I want to be part of a church that's willing to, to partner with a ministry in a couple of weeks where we're going to help feed kids. I want to be part of a church that's, that's going to take the gospel to the streets. And you want to make Live Oak your home, contact me, one of the other staff. Send us an email at info at liveoakbaptist.org. Call the church office.
at 225-243-6138. Let somebody talk to you. If you just have questions, but we're here. But here, we're going to take just a few moments to get your heart ready as we observe the Lord's Supper. We're going to transition to the Lord's Supper right now. So if you have your elements at your house, go ahead and start getting those ready. First Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 23 it says for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you and the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it get your bread ready he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me. Do you hear those words? My body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup. This is the new covenant. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we come to you this morning again, Father, just to say that we love you. Father, and you tell us, Father, in your word, Father, that we're to do this. To remember what you did for us, Father. Remember what you did on the cross for us, Father. To remember, Father, how you beat death. Father, why that tomb is empty today, Father. We're to do this so that every time we do it, we're reminded of that hope that can only come from you. Wow. Father, to think that you love Johnny Morgan enough that you knew thousands of years before I was born that I was going to need your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, you knew that I was going to be born into sin. Father, that you knew that I was going to need to come to you and ask you for forgiveness. Father, and ask you to become the Lord of my life. Father, so every time I do this, Father, just, Father, my heart gets excited. Father, but then, Father, I'm constantly reminded that I don't deserve your love, Father, but you gave it to me anyway. Father, and today, Father, just as we're sitting in homes, Father, this is not the way we had our Easter service planned two months ago. 
But Father, you knew what was going to happen. Father, you knew that the church wasn't these walls. Father, you knew the church was us. So, Father, today as we're sitting in our homes and, Father, as we're sitting with our family, some of us, and as we just celebrated this, Father, I beg, Father, that you remind us constantly of who you are. Father, that you give us that heart, Father, to bring you to the world. Father Watson in Livingston Parish in Louisiana in the United States and the world need to hear the love and the hope that can only come from you and you only. Father, I just ask that you give us that courage. Father, because what we just celebrated through this communion, Father, is to remember you and to celebrate it. Father, we love you. Father, and I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for, Father, for a worship team. Father, and a, a technical team. Father, that just do everything they can do to make everything perfect for you. Father, I thank you for the capability that you've given us today. Father, that we have an Easter service that's virtual. Father, that literally, Father, the church, Father, and your growth don't stop. Father, we've seen that by the lives you've added this week. Father, we've seen that by the members that you've sent to Live Oak Baptist Church, Father, this week. Father, right now, Father, I thank you again for today. Father, we love you. In the Son's name I pray. Amen. We hope you do have a good Easter, and we're excited about today. We're excited that you was able to join us. You know, we started with a video that was uh, inspired by one of our children's parents, and she said, hey, Brother Johnny, I've got this idea. Can you help me do this? And it was great. I literally sat in tears as I put that video together. And then as a staff, we come up with another idea for a video that you're about to watch now. And as you watch this video, I want you to pay close attention. This is the Easter story told through people of our church. But as you watch it, pay attention because some of the families have actually joined through media here from Walker to Welch, Louisiana. We had another family that joined from Walker to Watson to over on the East Coast to over across the seas where their son is serving our military right now and stationed on base. So watch this Easter story one more time. We love you, and we're here. We're going to be here. So just know that. Happy Easter from Live at Baptist Church.